3: Welcome to the latest edition of the Total Saints podcast. This is our weekly get together to discuss all things relating to Southampton Football Club. As always, we're live streaming our podcast on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch. So if you're watching along tonight, you can leave your comments and your questions as we go. A massive thank you, as always, to our TSP patrons. We couldn't do any of this without you. You can visit patreon.com forward slash total saints podcast to find out more about getting involved. And thanks to CB Pod Listener for your review on Apple Podcasts this week. Five stars, nonetheless. Uh, we're honored. So uh, thank you for that. Coming up on this week's pod, there's no shame in defeat at Manchester City. We'll try and find the positives for you. And it's West Ham at home next week, which could be a very significant game for a number of reasons, all of which we'll delve into. My name's Martin Stark, and I'm joined this week by Steve Grant, who's the owner of Saints Web. Glenda Core is the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten, and Alfie House is the Saints reporter for the Southern Daily Echo. All underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 209 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC, from dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. Now, we all called it last week. Damage limitation was always going to be the order of the day at the Etihad Stadium. 4-0, the final score. Steve, good to have you back this week. It was a tall order. It was always going to be. But how did they do for you?
4: Um, I think it kind of went pretty much as we expected. I mean, if anything, we actually set up in a more kind of positive structure than i than i was expecting i i fully expected us to go back to a um back three or back five or well back ten really and yeah no we we, i mean you you look at the i mean so i I saw a graphic at half time i I think it was jacob that that posted it where which had the the sort of average positions of all our players plotted out and the vast majority of our players were in the city half Um, so that that was that was a that was a surprise but it's i mean I must admit, I, I didn't watch the game this week. It was just, it was just one that I thought oh, I've got, I, I really can't put myself through it. So I've, I've kind of seen back <laughs> highlights and stuff. But yeah, I mean, like first half, it, it just feels as if we were, we were, we were okay. I mean, clearly they're they're always going to have a lot of the ball. They're going to create chances no matter how well you defend them. Because let's be honest, we're not not great defensively. But yeah, we like structure wise, I thought we were we were well organised. And yeah, I mean we, we kept them down to kind of what what you would maybe say is a, a sort of bare minimum to what you to the amount of chances that you would expect City to City to create against a side like us. Um second half we we let it let it slide a little bit, I think, certainly early in early in the second half, which I mean let's be honest, that's been that's been a common problem of ours all season, letting things slip early in the second half. So that, I mean, that's one thing that's been an issue. And I mean, halftime team talks are obviously not doing what they're designed to at the moment. So that's a problem. But at the end of the day, you're playing against playing against a team that's financed by a nation state and it's you it's not something that you can compete against mm. um, it's, it's interesting in a, you in didn't realistic... watch the
3: game i was offered the chance to work on saturday and i grabbed it with both hands because i thought it's going to be better than uh than watch. did you see any of the game glenn have you watched the goals did you see it last yeah, night yeah
5: i did yeah i saw a fair bit of it it was um yeah it was it was interesting city have got an aura about them now uh, more so than they had last year it's the sort of aura that Liverpool had in the eighties and United had under Ferguson in that teams are beaten before they before the game kicks off now. And Haaland's got that on an individual level. And he not only does he create space by, you know, playing right on the front line, which is City didn't have that last year so he creates more place more space for the likes of Foden and De Bruyne anyway but he attracts players all over the place there were there were times when both our center backs were marking him and Perot was coming in and marking him as well so you know they they've they've got the golden ticket with with, with that guy he's he's the final piece of the jigsaw probably like Van Dyke was at Liverpool the mm. goalkeeper was when you know when they signed him so I'd, it's no no disgrace to get beaten by them at all. And and as Steve said, 4-0 is kind of that <laughs> there'll be a lot of teams that do worse than that. I mean United let in six, Forest let in six. Oh, I don't know what other results they've had, but it, it's it's been ridiculous and it will carry on that way. But I have a bit of an issue with the way we played the second half because Pep knew what we were going to do. He he kind of knew we were going to go 4, 2, 2, 2, because it gave him problems last year. And he came up with this plan of basically playing three at the back and playing Cancelo as an extra winger. And I felt sorry. If if I was Carl Walker-Peters, I would have been absolutely furious in the second half that that carried on. I mean, he was like, mm. he reminded me of someone playing whack-a-mole. You know, <laughs> he was, he had, he had Cancelo, he had De Bruyne, he had Foden, all playing kind of that side-ish and he was mm. getting no help. Stuart Armstrong was pressing further up the pitch. And once they got past him, Walker-Peters was stuffed. And he was, you know, so the fact that Cancelo set up he set up two glorious chances for Maros in the first minute. He scored the goal himself. He then had a hand in the third and fourth goal in the second half. Both, you know, and each time, no, no pressure on him. And they they were just playing triangles around Walker Peters. And and I just I, I felt quite sorry for, for him. And I would I would criticise the second half for not addressing that because it just it just carried on. You know, it had obviously been the problem at half-time. Okay, you're two 0 down. But you know, maybe we needed to bring Larios on earlier and play him in front of Walker Peters or play him behind him because City, you know, if you're having success with it, you're obviously going to keep you're going doing to carry it. On, yeah. Yeah. And we, we just we just didn't react. So I'd I'd point the finger at Ralph on that one. But you know we we did okay and I think most of us would have would have accepted 4-0. Bazuno had a decent game. I thought the two centre halves did did relatively well but it, it, it came at a cost in other areas. Um, it's interesting the point Steve made about the you know we picked we picked attacking players in the wide positions you know Arebo and Armstrong. You know I mean we all know Stuart Armstrong struggles a bit sometimes with the with the with the fitness levels required to chase around for 90 minutes and Arebo is not a pressing player either. It, that's that's not his game and he got he got found out on the is it the third goal he just mm. let Mares go basically. So, yeah, there, was, there, were, there were some positives from it. You know, we, we kept going. We didn't, we didn't capitulate. But then against that, you could say City phoned it in for the last half an hour like they did against Manchester, against uh, Man United the previous week. You know, game's done and Pep's far too clever to go chasing 7-8-9. If he wasn't going to do it against Man United, he certainly wasn't going to do it against us. Not against us, no. They've won, no. They've won the game happy days so it it was it was okay you know we we can take a bit from it but there's there's certainly things that we could have done better.
3: Alfie you were at the game yesterday how big was that golf between the two sides what did you make of it all, what were your takeaways?
6: Yeah absolutely I mean I think that that Man City side we're looking at is probably one of the best teams that we'll see but I don't want to talk too much about Man City really Look, everyone knows how good they are everyone expected that result for me Southampton they, they tried to be brave I think that's something that was interesting like Steve pointed out and Glenn pointed out it started with the 4-2-2. it caused problems last year. They wanted to be brave. The first half was punctuated with moments where Ralph was urging his players to, to get up the pitch, to play it forward, and they would literally turn around and pass it back to Bazunu again, over and over and again. And he was getting so angry, so frustrated. And I think maybe it's admirable, maybe it's admirable that he wanted to, to he got the results last year, was going to do it again. Maybe it was naivety. I think something else that was perhaps a little bit naive is the way that James War prowse has been used this year. Hey, of course, there's nothing that Ralph can do about the fact that Romeo Lavia is injured, Ori Romeo was sold on deadline day, and they haven't got at the moment a competent midfield backup. Uh, Diallo is struggling a little bit. Maitland Now is probably not ready yet. But what it does is it means that War has absolutely no license to go anywhere. And, and you know, he's not a player who's a particularly tough tackler, he's not quick across the pitch. What he is good at is is getting on the ball and, and shooting primarily, delivering the ball around the edge of the area, and you know. He didn't touch the ball around the edge area once, you know, against Spurs who are a good side as well. He had that chance, he had the goal, and then of course it all fell apart. But, you know, I, I worry that um I worry it's gonna put him off a little bit. I think um, you know, he is responsible for his performances, but he will feel there are forces at work at the moment where he's not being able to to put his best foot forward. And I think that could leave a sour taste if he doesn't go to the World Cup.
3: There's a few a few points in there, actually, Alfie. And Steve, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on James Wall-Prowse, because Alfie mentioned it there. We spoke a little bit about it this uh, last weekend, actually, after the game. He seems to be really suffering from a, a lack of midfield cover. He's, he's missing Romeo, isn't he, at the moment? And it, it, for whatever reason, it's just not happening for him. So I wonder what what your thoughts are on that right now.
4: Yeah, I mean, he's he's certainly missing a player alongside him to do kind of the the dirty work, the the stuff that isn't re- as as Alfie said isn't really suited to his game. But at the same time, he's also not doing the stuff that he's good at. And for me, his his performances this season haven't been remotely reflective of the highest paid player at the club, club captain. Um, he's the guy that's ultimately got a in that role, you're you're expected to kind of stick your hand up and and be the one that that kind of drags drags the team through it. And I mean we saw last season that, that he did it when he had yeah competent players alongside him for the most part and we we didn't we kind of did enough last season. I mean this this season his his performances have, have been way down even even on the sort of back end of last season where collectively we were awful, he was the one kind of standout player in that. But yeah, this this season's it's not he's barely got started. Even I mean, even even allowing for the goal at Spurs, I mean, I, I struggle to think of struggle to think of another game where he's actually where I've I've looked looked at looked back at his performance and thought, yeah, he's he's actually had a good game there. But it's it is what it is. I mean, you it's it's one of those things where how much do you judge on on his own individual position in a team that is clearly so dysfunctional at the moment.
3: Hmm. Obviously, lots of talk this week about Alfie, uh, Alfie about the manager and uh, his job being at risk. I know he was kind of addressing it again. He was asked about it again afterwards. Did his side play like they were playing for the manager to you. You were saying that they were sort of playing back and he was shouting his instructions. I guess when you're, you're backs up against a ball like this, you, you want your players to go out and give their all for you. Was that the sense
6: that you got yesterday? I'd be lying if I said that was a sense I got because I don't think they were, of course. But you know, that might not necessarily be the manager. I think when you go to Man City, I'd be scared. You know, I'm not a professional footballer, obviously, but I would know that they're all better than me. All 11 players they've got are better than me. They're going to be quicker than me, stronger than me. And, you know, you can quite easily cave. Uh, you can't say they're playing for the manager, but I don't think that, well, I don't know exactly. What I can say is when Ralph came in into the press conference after, he was surprisingly smiley. He was pretty chirpy. I think he was. He knew the questions he was going to be asked and he was already sick of them. And he, you know, he had a couple of jabs, at questions that he felt were, were silly. He made a couple of jokes. He joked about the fact they lost 9-0 and went to Man City. Um, he joked about the fact that he's never been asked these questions before. Um, and he didn't look to me like somebody who... Was going to walk out that room and expect a phone call, or you know, expect to be told that his players don't like him or they don't want to play from anything. But when you look at you, you can see you've got eyes, and this, there's no, there's no guarantee there that there's any any real backing there. There's no, there's no character in the performance. But I think it's just such an impossible task to play at City that you can't really pick those kind of conclusions
3: so do we take that game in in isolation glenn is that the thing here do we take that game in isolation or does it add to the case for, for getting rid of the manager quicker we we spoke in recent weeks about the i think it was 12 points wasn't it from yeah. 21 games three one, wins in 21 games one clean sheet in the last 21 as well we're 17th we played nine games now so do we do we just forget about the man city result or is it all part of the bigger picture and and, and, and it just needs to be done sooner rather than later.
5: Well, yeah, I mean, Manchester City are a fantastic team, as we all know. So, yeah, you you, you can write it off. But if you want to be, be critical, I've already mentioned the the lack of change at half-time, which was desperately needed. That, I mean, that's happened many times before, where something so blatantly obvious is a problem and we've not done anything about it. And big surprise, it's carried on happening, you know. It was another game where we had no idea how to attack whatsoever. It seemed... we. We've got absolutely obsessed with our work against the ball, and you know, with the ball, there's a, there's an important there's a, another important component which doesn't seem to get talked talked about is work off the ball. Now, what the work for me, work off the ball is, you know, running into space, wanting the wanting. The ball, taking a bit of a risk to run forward and be available to to pass to, and we, we just don't do that. Everything is so straight lines with Saints. You imagine, and we talk about War Prowse. Imagine being a midfield player playing for Saints, and you're trying to get, you're trying to go forward. Basically, you ain't got anyone to pass to. You know, no one, no one's moving. Mm-hmm. It's called pass and move for a reason. You can't have one without the other. So War Prowse, Diallo, whoever's playing centre midfield, most of the time, if they look forward, they got no one. So they're then with back to the goalkeeper, back to the centre halves, out to the wing, out to the fullback. So it's it is very difficult. But I do wonder what they're working on from an attacking point of view because okay, didn't attack against Man City, fine. We didn't attack against Villa. We didn't really attack against Wolves. It, there's a problem there. Three wins out of twenty-one, and I, I don't know how many goals we've scored in those twenty-one games, but it's probably averaging less than a goal a game, mm. I imagine. That's a problem there. But it's not Ralph's fault that we've got the strikers that we've got. That, that, you know, I will say that, it, you know, there's been a few comparisons with the Claude Puel season. We went into that season with Charlie Austin and injured Jay Rodriguez and Shane Long and then wondered why we didn't score many goals. <laughs> we've gone into this one with, you know, with with Che Adams, who's good at holding the ball up. Adam Armstrong, who's quick, but he ain't nothing else. And Sekumaru, who's a kid. And then we're wondering why we're not, we're not scoring goals, or we're not we're not building up play properly. That's, mm. you know, I, I I don't I don't blame Ralph for that, and I don't really blame him for the the problems we've got in midfield. But on the other side, can you afford to play a two man midfield when you haven't got anyone to partner War Prowse? You know that's why he's paid the big money to come up with solutions to this and get the most out of his squad. Said all along you can only judge a manager by how well he does with the resources he's got available and i, I would i would say that setting up with two players in the centre midfield when one of them clearly isn't up to it is you know you, you're asking for trouble so i don't think he's been covering himself with glory um for quite a while now seems to have lost his bravery okay we went we went for it a little bit today sorry against city but for me, there, there, there wasn't really enough. There was no goal threat there, which you, you have to have some sort of threat against City. Otherwise, they will just, you know, they'll camp their defenders on the halfway line, mm. pass you to death. And, you know, and, and, and that's what happens. But, you know, against West Ham next week, it's, an, it's a game where we've, you know, we we've, we've really have to win that. West Ham and Bournemouth are huge, and the club have got to make a decision whether they're likely to win, more likely to win those games with, with Ralph in charge or, or without him. And I, I think it's reaching the point now.
3: We'll get on to West Ham in, in just a moment. One of the other things we mentioned last week, he was the goalkeeper and whether Bazunu mm. would, had that been last season, had that been McCarthy or Forster, probably been swapped out by now for not keeping a clean sheet. Bizarre as it is, he, he seemed to do all right yesterday and, uh, and shower himself in a bit of glory because I thought there were some good saves there yesterday.
6: I thought he did really well, to be fair. Yeah, like you say, he conceded four goals, but could he have done anything about any of them? Maybe maybe one at most. And kept earning Haaland out, a couple of one-on-one shots uh, really well. And I thought his kicking was slightly better, to be fair, yesterday. That's somewhere people have pinpointed that he needs to improve. Clearly, he's used to playing against League One opposition. There's not the space that he thought there was. I actually tweeted that I think it was a good performance and that he needed it. And someone responded to me saying, you know he he doesn't didn't need it, but I think he did. Like you say, the fact that people were even yeah. talking about it. Um, you know he did need it. He's only twenty years old. He's gone back to the Etihad Stadium, played there for the first time. Um, I think he'll be really pleased with that, and it can only be a good thing because, you know, if there's somebody you you do want to do well and do want to stay in the team, it is the goalkeeper. He's going to be there hopefully for the next three or four years at least. At least, um, yeah, I was impressed to be fair.
3: Saints FC, wheels watching on, I think on Twitch is the uh, the little purple logo. He says, uh, great pod as always. All the negativity there seems to be a, around Ralph at the moment. I was just wondering where you guys feel we should be aiming for this season with the current team. Um, I guess we'll get on to that when we do West Ham in just a moment. And, and who may or may not be in charge and where we're going to finish. And uh, Ellie says, uh, I think Ellie said, if we started uh, against Everton like we did against Manchester City, then it would have been a different story because um, we played well, but City were just a bit too strong. Either way, defeat we can draw a line under that we can move on it does make the west ham game rather more tasty we had a great win so we had a great win in the fa cup in the fifth round back in march away win on boxing day as well which nobody saw coming i think the home game finished 0-0 as well if he's still there at the weekend glenn does this game decide the future of the manager you would say so
5: but it's a long it's, it's going to be a long seven days before we get there i mean i would say if the club are going to the, the uncertainty is no good. It, it, for me, it's, it's if they're going to sack him, do it now, and then whoever whoever's in charge for the West Ham game can um, can have a full week to sort of build up to it. At the moment, I, if if I'm guessing, he'll still be in charge next week, but it, it's it's a difficult one. The atmosphere is not going to be great, and if we go behind, the atmosphere is certainly not going to be great. So yeah it's it, it's a it's a tough one. It's a difficult game anyway. West Ham always is. Yes, we did well in the games against them last year, but
4: uh I'm we did not sure. well um... against City last year as well.
5: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's true. But, but, at that moment, but at the moment, but the moment to me we look like a team that would struggle to beat anybody. And we'll we'll find that out the game afterwards when we play in Bournemouth. We've you know, we've always had pretty much had their number the last few times we have played them, but yeah. at the moment, even though I know we're not talking about Bournemouth, even though they're not very good. I, I would struggle to see us beating.
3: in You kind of feel like you moment. need to lump the two games in together, don't you? Um, yeah, says, I
5: think I think so.
3: Niall makes a good point. He says, I'm worried about the, the way the fans are going to be at the West Ham game. And I think that comes back to what you are saying, Glenn. If they pull the trigger and make the change now, new manager comes in and actually that's all gone, isn't it? That, that negativity, they, if, if you like.
5: They know if they're going to keep him or not. They know already. So it you know if you're going to keep him, come out and say his job is safe, or if you're not going to keep him, do it now and And the other thing about that is, is if they know who they want to be the new manager, go out and get him don't you know wait for someone to lose their job you know if you want i don't know Thomas Frank at Brentford, go out and get him pay the money go out go out and pay the money go and do what's what's needed don't you know we we always seem to employ managers who are un, unemployed.
3: We've had it done to us enough times over the years, haven't we? Yeah, yeah.
4: It, it, you know, if that's if that's what they they want to do, then go and do it. Well, the, the last manager we went and poached um, did all right, didn't he, Nigel Atkins?
3: Yeah,
5: you know, don't don't wait. You know, okay, you you could argue that. We talk about Bournemouth again; they've done really well under Gary O'Neill, caretaker manager. You know, so maybe there w- maybe there will be a, a a bit of a bounce. But uh, wh- whatever we need to do, we need to be decisive about it. And you know, if you if you if you want if you want the fans to be I mean to be honest, you know, three wins and twenty-one, I, I think the fans have been pretty good, to be <laughs> honest. There's not, been, it's not <laughs> been much negativity. I mean you you know, you you know have a look at Leicester City Twitter at the moment. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. hilarious, you know, and their their run ain't nearly as bad as ours. <laughs> so uh, you know, I think the fans have been have been more than patient. But yeah, like with anything, there, there, there comes a point. And, but Saints at boardroom level need to be decisive and they need to get it done if they're going to do it.
0: There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
3: You get the impression, Alfie, that that they mean business at Sport Republic, and, and since this story... Started to gain some traction again on on Monday. What what have you made of it all, and, and what's your take on it, and, and where we might be in in a week's time?
6: Well, I think I, if I had to guess, I would say that Ralph will still be in charge of the club for West Ham. I would imagine. Um, I think it'd be harsh to call it after that. But I think what has happened is it is a very quick escalation for me because I think fans have every reason now to perhaps feel that it is time for a change. And um, you know, Hasner has been here for four years almost, and. Uh, I think it's only Guardiola and Klopp that were managing in the Premier League when he first arrived that are still here. Um, Thomas Frank, as, as Glenn mentioned, was in the Championship then. And, you know, they sacked his coaching this summer. It was always then going to be improve or bust. But I do feel that he's been hamstrung so far this season. I have to admit, Glenn mentioned they wanted he wanted a striker. He said at the start of August, I want another striker. He didn't get it and everyone said we're doomed. You know, um, they still has not got that striker right now and long behold, they can't score a goal. That's not a surprise, really, is it? They, they said that at the time. His best signing's been injured in Romeo Lavia. We're not even 10 games in yet. Um, but then for each of those points, there is a bit of a minor delusion or, or tactical naivety in there as well that you can level back. Um, I think that fans have been pretty patient, but I think now that it's got to the point where they're, they're done, they're, they're not patient anymore. There's a couple that have you know, I feel have overset the mark online. I think some of the things they said, you know, he, he's not a bad owner that's sinking the club. He's a coach who's kept them in the Premier League for three years under really difficult constraints and is... Perhaps now his idea is just not working anymore or he's reached his expiry date. And if that is the case, then you know, I hope that everybody does wish him well and, and does mean the best for him when he, when he eventually does leave, whenever that is. Look, West Ham's going to be a massive game. I, I personally feel that if they don't get a positive result at West Ham, then it seems like a natural time, doesn't it, you know, to, to part ways. But I hope it's done with, with uh, less vitriol that I've seen some online.
3: Yeah, it's, uh, the internet is not a, a kind place. Unfortunately,
6: uh, well, um, Twitter doesn't represent the real world. Thankfully, so what you see on Twitter is not what you're in St. Mary's by and large.
3: And Ralph hasn't got a Twitter account, as as, as far as we know. Well, I'm um, sure he sees. Steve, is anything other than a win acceptable on Sunday, Isn't it?
4: It's kind of a difficult question to answer because, given the given the run of form, yeah, a win is a win is vital just to kind of uh, sort of rectify things, but. I think it, it kind of depends on the context. I mean, if you'd said to me uh, like an hour gone against Leeds on that first home game of the season, well, well, we're absolutely screwed now. And then and we've got absolutely no chance in this game. And then all of a sudden we we pull something out of nowhere and get get something out of the game, get a draw out of that game when the atmosphere had turned pretty sour very quickly in that, in that second half. And even though we didn't win the game, the ending was positive. We were on the front foot. We were the ones that were doing the sort of going for the win at that point. And so, yeah, I mean, if if that sort of situation was was to happen again on Saturday, then I think people would take it in the context of having come back against. I mean, let's be honest, West Ham are still a good team. They've got a lot of very good players. They've had a, they've had a poor start as well. But yeah, it's any. I mean, as as we've said before, I mean, apart from like the the real top teams, any any side can give anyone else a game, and we've got got an opportunity there on Saturday. I think that um, with West Ham obviously in Europe, um, sorry, Sunday, West Ham obviously in Europe on Thursday. So I don't know don't know how much they've been rotating their players. Possibly not that much because I don't think they've got a particularly huge squad. No. So there's going to be a little bit of tiredness there. Maybe we can take advantage of that, but. I think it's got to be a positive performance um, regardless of kind of the end result, just for, just if you're going to have anything to grab onto at the end of it.
3: There's a couple of good points, uh, loads of comments, as you might imagine, coming in tonight. Uh, Josh says, looking at the quality of our squad. I think he's actually done well to keep us in the league, especially when you think that we've continued to sell players and replace them with ones that are not as good. Uh, I think we probably all agree with that. And uh, unlikely, Mass makes a good point, Glenn. Um, There's only a few days between the West Ham and the Bournemouth game. Mm. So are they likely to sack him if we lose against West Ham with very little time for a new manager to come in or someone to put their stamp on before Bournemouth? That comes back to your argument of let's just do it now rather than wait yeah. if
5: they're going to do it, if they're going to do it do it now do it tonight do it tomorrow morning you know it, it, these these two games are right on top of each other i know clubs you know in the past have, have they've you know sacked people at all sorts of times okay you could argue there's no there's no good time to do it but the the games come thick and fast at, at any point but you know international breaks is usually the time isn't it when when they've got two weeks for it all to sort of calm down but there's no international breaks coming up apart from the big one for the World Cup so um, yeah I mean would it harm us having Ralph in charge for West Ham and then someone else for for Bournemouth I, I, I don't know really um, but I I'd, like I said I'd prefer to get it done now if, if that's mm. what they're going to do
3: Every time Alfie looks off screen, I think his phone's just gone. He's had a text. This is it. It's happening.
6: <laughs> <laughs> if you want the unexciting truth, I've got the main night Everton game on. Left, and... Sorry,
3: <laughs> um, Steve. A word about West Ham, then. Just um, you know, obviously uh, we've we've done all right against them in the past. We've had some stinking results against them. I think Antonio's still scoring. Defton Rice is doing well. Up to thirteenth. Terrible start. Like you say, they're, they're slightly been a bit distracted, maybe with the European stuff. What what have you made of their start to the season?
4: Well I think their their key issue was they like in the past they've spent big money on on individual players that have come in and just haven't suited either the team or the league um in any way, shape or form. Um whereas two of the two of the players they signed back end of the window um this summer, Skamaka and um oh god, who's the who's the um who's the playmaker guy they've got? Last one, yeah, Paqueta. Those two players, I mean, judging by their performance against Fulham today, they and sort of what I've seen, what little I've seen of West Ham so far, um, those two look like very good signings. So they've finally spent big money on players that seem to fit, and that's kind of been. It's always been West Ham's Achilles heel. They they get um, like, I mean, particularly the owners, they get kind of blinded by the they're, they're like magpies really. They get blinded by these flashy um, flashy new um, shiny things. Decide to go and spend a load of money on players that just they don't need, um, rather than taking care of the the areas of the team that that need improvement. And last season they didn't really score enough goals, so they've gone gone and bought a bought a big centre forward who will score goals, and they've they've also brought another player who will create. Chances for that player. So, from that perspective, they've they've done quite well in in the market. I think defensively, there's still there's still issues there. They've not looked they've not looked as solid as they as they did last season. Um, well, they were in the market for Bednarek, weren't they? Well, yeah, which which says <laughs> yeah, all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's. I mean, that's that's not a good position to be in, like two days before the end of the transfer window. So, yeah, I mean, defensively, they're still a little bit suspect. But at the end of the day, if they're causing enough problems at the other end then you can often negate that. And if you're doing that, then you're probably going to be quite entertaining to watch as well. So I think I mean they're I mean, let's be honest, West Ham ain't going to be in any in any danger of going down, regardless of their first sort of five or six games. They're going to be comfortably mid-table, um, not care in the world. Um they got a central midfielder who's probably going to go for £100 pounds plus next summer. So <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, good luck getting that fee at the moment. Well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's. I mean, they're they're a good side, but they are they do blow very hot and cold. And hopefully, we can get them on one of their one of their colder days.
3: Okay. Can I trouble you for a score prediction, Steve? What do you think? If you're watching along, by the way, put your score <sighs> predictions in the comments. Are we going to keep a clean sheet? Is the first question, I guess.
4: Um, I mean, no. Let's be honest. We're not. Um, <laughs> but I'll I'll take I'll take. I will take the optimistic view and go for a two-one win. Two-one win.
3: All right, uh, Glenn. You called the uh, the four-nil. How do you see West Ham? What have you made of them? How do you think we're going to do? Um, as as Steve said, I think that you know they started badly. They seem to be getting it
5: together now. They seem to be getting into some sort of rhythm with the new signings that they've got. They're they're a very good team. They were my I went on a Tottenham podcast, you know, when the season started, when we played them, and I I sort of predicted them to make the, you know, to be the the best bet for a top four place outside the That went down well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I predicted that, and I predicted Arsenal to win all the trophies as well, just for a giggle, (laughs) but um, I'm like that. But, uh, and I, I still stand by that, what I said about West Ham, I think you know, I th- I think they're a good side. I think David Moyes is a, is a solid manager, even though he wouldn't be everybody's cup of tea. Mm. Um, it was it was interesting. The knives were out for him very quickly when they lost their first sort of couple of games, but he, he seems to have calmed that down and, and and got through it. Good side, tough game. It's interesting what Steve said about them being hot and cold, because you know I think we, we go back to that cup game when we put what was basically our reserve team out. We expected to get smashed in that game, mm. really, and and we. Really played them off the park. It was, it was a really, really that was kind of like the peak before we fell off a cliff, wasn't it? Yes. Um, played really, really well. That was that the last game, game I enjoyed. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there, I mean, you know, there, there is a chance because West Ham can be, can be slightly consistent, but I, uh, inconsistent rather. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to be too optimistic about us at the moment. So uh, you want a score prediction at the end of all this, yeah, yeah. You, Are you thinking of a clean, um,
3: clean sheet or not?
5: No, don't think so. Um I I'll go for a
3: Dismal one nil defeat. One nil defeat. All right, Okay. Alfie, I'm gonna to come to you uh because you also got the score right, um for Man City. So you're on a bit copy of a roll at the moment. Yeah,
6: copy <laughs> me. me, <laughs> not <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> um I'm not gonna copy Glenn this time, I don't think, but I think Looking back to last season, I think those West Ham games were all really enjoyable for different reasons. I'm, I'm pretty sure the first one at St Mary's was 0-0 draw, wasn't it? But didn't yes. Antonio get himself sent off in the last minute of the game? Yes, yeah. I, mean, I, yeah. I yeah. just brought him into my fantasy team, made him captain. <laughs> we got him <laughs> but the Boxing Day game was was really good. The three-two yeah. win at uh, the London Stadium. We th- weren't th- expecting yeah, that, race. were we? At all. That was amazing. It was one of my first um, sort of away games where it was I really felt it. And everyone always told me that that stadium was was gash to watch football in and but actually i really enjoyed it. i thought i could hear the saints fans the atmosphere was great and then the west ham one was an absolute it was only about twenty five thousand there were not there it was well about, yeah because yeah. nobody could get there so that was probably why i could hear them but and then the, in march that was brilliant you know 10 changes nine changes, or whatever everyone was saying what's ralph doing you know chucking the cup away and it was it was bizarre wasn't it? i mean brogia came on and won the game Mm. Um, my head this time, my head tells me a two-one defeat, and my heart says a one-all draw. You've all followed Southampton for longer than me. Which one should I follow, head or heart? I think one-all. <sighs> head well, I'm I'm, I'm going to go with one-all. one Yeah, I think that's fair.
3: Right, nice. No, I mean, I think um, it'd be just on the team selection for El- from this one for Alfie because we've got Bournemouth away, which comes quite quickly after that. He can't afford to rest anybody, can he? This has got to be like your best eleven. Go for it. Give it all, and worry about Bournemouth away when it happens.
6: I mean, with all due respect, who would you rest anyway? Who's in glistening <laughs> form that you want? Well, that's true. Rest, uh, Tuesday. Yeah, I did that um, when he
3: bought on the subs yesterday, and, uh, it change, it? and it was a double change, wasn't it? And it was Gineppo and El coming yeah. on. <laughs> oh, God.
6: And I think I think El will probably return to the team. I think Stuart Armstrong might find himself potentially benched. Um, you've got. Well, to I mean, what's what's he done this season? Uh, <laughs> no, it's not been great. the The thing that Armstrong brings
4: is the is that energy and the link between midfield and attack and. I mean, every game I've I've watched him play this season. There's been zero energy from him, and it's I I don't is he is he injured and he's kind of playing through it, which would be very unlike him. because um, usually, usually it doesn't take much for him to miss three or four weeks. So yeah, I'm not quite sure what's going on there. Whether whether it I mean, it might just even be a case that he's he's just got to that point where he's where what he does just suddenly stops being effective. I think every every player has that point. Where either they lose a little bit of their their sort of pace, they you, you lose half, half a yard in your body. The, your body's not quite doing what your brain wants it to do at, at the right time and stuff. Whether Stu Armstrong is at that point already, I don't know. Um, be a shame if it was because he's it's a he's, massive shame it is, because
6: hmm. he's so important to the team playing yeah. well. Like, certainly in the year that I've watched Southampton or year and a bit yeah. now. Um, you, but yeah, I, I think Ralph will probably line up in the same similar way that he did at Man City. It'd be the four triple two. You'd like to think, even though it doesn't necessarily work me, but hopefully it will try and rejig the midfield and put a third one in there. But who are you going to put in? Are you going to play a midfield three of Wal-Prowse, Maitland-Niles and Diallo? Does that I, does that strike confidence?
5: I, honestly, mate, I'd put Leanko in there. Yeah, well, I mean
6: you saying. Honestly, yeah, I mean,
5: just, stick it, just stick him in there to kick and head everything and at least allow war prowse to go forward. Hmm. If the other two aren't up to it. And couldn't similarly... He, couldn't similarly, go much worse, really, could it? Similarly, up front, I'm almost at the stage where I'd put Theo Walcott up front with Adams. Hmm. Because I the other, t- you the
6: fourth or fifth person to, that to me. The, the other two aren't up
5: to, the other two aren't up to it. So, mm. you know, what instead of paying him a fortune to sit on the bench with, then be the ninth substitute with no chance of coming on, he's probably got less chance of coming on than McCarthy at the moment. It, it so it seems it's just an utter waste of time. Does he ever even warm up? But you know, we're not we're not scoring any goals. We're not stretching teams in behind. And as I said, the other, the, the other two forwards apart from Adams don't offer very much at all. So. I I would seriously consider putting Theo Walcott up front. I think at the
6: start of the season, I'd have paid a lot of money to see a scene where you were told that nine (laughs) games into the season, you'd be calling for Theo Walcott to play up front. Well, (laughs) it's either that, or you you play Don Ballard. Yeah, yeah you know, well, you, you, it's, get, one, it's it? getting
5: to the point, isn't it, where you you need you need to try something because roll the dice.
6: We're not yeah. doing anything up front. Yeah. But those B team lads are going to Portsmouth on Tuesday. They're, they're needed to to beat the skates on Tuesday. That's so. going to be a good game.
3: <laughs> <This> is, uh, <laughs> uh, that could be the positive that we need next Saturday.
5: It will be. The, yeah, <laughs> skates claxon. Um, We've heard that
4: one. Before <laughs> looking forward to seeing what our uh, esteemed security uh, security officer makes of that one.
3: Well, speaking of that, Steve, nice segue. Um, it's not going to be a sellout <laughs> on Sunday because this week the club have announced that Block 1 of the Itchy North stand is going to be closed. And I quote, following unacceptable behaviour during the Everton game last weekend. Now, they went on to say that um, a Premier League match day report found that 27 missiles have been thrown across the segregation line by both home and away fans, it said. Uh, season ticket holders in that area all got sent an email this week. Um, they're going to be moved to Block 2 and they're going to put in extra." extra cctv steve do you want to start on this how's it been allowed to to get to this <laughs> how long have you got? <laughs> oh,
4: jesus christ i mean it's it's very it's very won't someone think of the children isn't it it's that's pathetic i mean I, I noticed from that statement that they don't quantify exactly how many of the missiles were thrown by saints fans um they just said oh 20 20 exactly 27 so they've obviously oh, spent the time t- yeah. they've, they've spent the time going going through all the cctv Which they have in HD. They've by as Premier League and FA regulations, they've got to have um, high definition CCTV that can identify anybody within their seat. So they've got the they've got the means to do it, and yet they've decided that rather than um, so they've spent their time obviously counting that there were twenty seven missiles thrown in either direction. A, they've not told us how many were from the home fans because let's be honest, if there were a majority from the home fans, they would have said so. And B they've they've decided, well, we're just going to blanket blanket sort of punish everybody in that block rather than do their job and go through and pick out the individuals that are that are the offending. offenders. Yeah, that can't be difficult. I mean, there's how I mean, how many times do we read in in the papers that a fan of a club has been um, uh, issued a banning order because of being found out on CCTV to have done something, mm. whether it's throwing a missile, making a making a gesture. Shouting something racist or discriminatory or or whatever, and it just feels like it's either the club has has basically decided this summer because they didn't. I, I don't think they allowed anybody to buy a new season ticket in block one this this summer. Only those that were already there were allowed to renew.
3: It certainly reduced capacity, um, wasn't it? Yeah,
4: said. and they've um, so they've they've clearly had had their sights set on this block for quite a while for whatever reason. But at the end of the day, there would be far fewer incidents in that part of the ground, blocks one, two, one, two, three, and four, if the club actually did their job and followed their own ground regulations by preventing away fans getting in the home ends. I mean, how many times have we seen on social media in the last? Well, I mean, the last. I mean, however many number of years, going back ages, there's always away fans that that get tickets in the home end, whether it's through a friend of theirs or literally just because it's been on general sale and they've they've been allowed to register and, and buy a ticket. And yet the club doesn't do anything about it. I, I I struggle to remember the last time an away fan in the home section was frog marched out of the ground um because they were identified. And it's these people that that actually cause the issue because when they get identified. The stewards do nothing, and then the people stood around. Someone who's probably had a, had a few drinks and is feeling brave suddenly starts having a pop, and it all it all then escalates. And Didn't it's the pathetic. club? Wasn't there an
5: incident last year as well where the club had sold an executive box for a game to? I think it was Newcastle.
4: Oh, this always happens. Yeah. The, so they the, the the executive box is behind those those blocks in the Itching cause, End
3: because it's good money. Presumably yeah, they get you what know, 10, 10 go to a grand for one of those. So
4: yeah,
5: if you if the club is prepared to take. You know, is prepared to take their money. They know there's a risk that they're willing to accept. Yeah. You know, to do that. So don't moan at the consequences when when they happen. You know that. So that that one that one was strange to me. But I mean, I sit in the family bit. So it's not so bad. Occasionally, you like when you play the Man United to this world, you see kids in United shirts. But obviously. Because it's an eight-year-old, you you can't You know, you don't you don't heart. do anything. But the Everton, <laughs> the Everton game last week, I had a grown man sat next to me in, in an Everton shirt, right? In an Well, I thought it was a half and half scarf to start with, you know, horrible, which would have horrible, been worse. Horrible things. I saw this like blue flash of the scarf, and I, did, I didn't think anything. And to be fair, the, the guy was the guy was quiet. But it, it was it was you know, literally sat right next to me in in the family bit. So I'll be having a word with this with the season ticket holder. He normally sits next to me and saying. Did you sell him that ticket, or did you sell it? You know, to the like, resale portal, maybe to the resale portal, and 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 they've just punted it out they to an Everton fan. There, yeah. And like I say, to be fair, the, the the guy was quiet, and and even when Everton scored, I, I literally didn't notice till the ninetieth minute, so he must have been pretty pretty quiet all the way through. But mm. yeah, if you're gonna do if you're gonna do that, the consequences are there. But I mean, it will. Be, the, I didn't. I wasn't fully aware of the CCTV that they, they they have to have. And I I totally agree with Steve's point about it's, it's punishing everybody rather than the individuals concerned. It's going to be easier to spot now because they're going to need better missiles to fly over the block of empty seats. <laughs> so um, so um, I mean, you... block
4: block one is obviously absolutely tiny because it's wedged right in the corner, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, there's. Yeah. you've you've actually probably only pushed people like 10 yards away.
3: Yeah, it's a horrible place to sit as well. Alfie, I know you ran this story this week. Do you think it relates a little bit to the football on the pitch? It just, it seems to be a bit more of a heated season as well. Things aren't going well on the pitch, so things don't go well off the pitch, do they?
6: No, I don't think that's, I don't think that's fair, to be honest. I think um, the Premier League this season have introduced harder guidelines, haven't they, as a part of a a nationwide campaign. And this is purely um, a response to those, I feel, in many ways. I think, it's difficult for me to comment on it because you know, I know the club are probably trying their best and whatnot. I can only say what I see and I agree with Glenn and Steve. I, I always see sat in the media area uh, home shirts dotted around every every now and then um against Spurs last year it was an entire block of and I say away shirts sorry away shirts a, a block of away uh, fans and what I also see is that I see the communication that fans have got in my opinion is, is probably not up to scratch. I don't think that there's been and if there has, I apologise. But I don't think they've even publicly addressed the fact that there are away fans in the home end every single week. No, um, they, they know, stick, it, their head,
4: stick their head in the sand no. and say it doesn't happen.
6: No, and if they have, if they have, I, I apologise to them. But I don't think they have and I think they should because, of course, a lot of problems are coming from that. And, you know, it's like football, you have a laugh and whatnot. But, yeah, I think it's a difficult place to be. And I think that was obvious when um, it was the fans forum earlier in the summer um Toby faced some difficult questions on mm. it and you know he he doesn't really have much room to give an answer because he's given a script basically these are the rules this is what's going to happen if they're not followed you know I'm sorry but this is how it is so it's difficult for all parties but yeah I I agree with Glenn and Steve
3: we certainly don't want to see a wall built anyway do we because that's mm. you know, more cost to the club as well which is not great so be interesting to hear if anybody has been moved because of that if they want to get in touch with us and just drop us an email or stuff during the week that'd be really interesting it's going to be a big I think a nice early goal is what we need on Sunday and then all of this is put to bed and we're all happy so um, that's what we need Um, that's pretty much it for this week don't forget you can follow us on uh, Total Saints Podcast you'll find us on Facebook and Twitter have a search for at Total Saints Pod the website totalsaints.co.uk there's a link on there to our online shop which is Total Saints Icons you can drop us an email there as well during the week we're also on Patreon where you can find out more about supporting the podcast with a monthly contribution it's patreon.com forward slash total saints podcast there's four different tiers ranging from five pounds to 20 pounds per month and each come with different benefits including some weekly shout outs for those patrons in our top two tiers so thanks as always to dave melton mark atkins matt hall who are in our francis Benali tier colt baker dave Ernsberger, ed busy nick higston phil cook matt rose and nick reed in our mick Shannon tier uh, thank you steve thanks glenn cheers alfie thanks for tonight uh, thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you again soon